the hardest thing with all of us being friends with Josh is you just wish he could catch a break. It's like, you know, he wins the Fantasy Football League. The Rams are in the Super Bowl. He's got the reigning MVP. Oh, how are the Colorado Avalanche doing right now? <laughs> We're in first place. <laughs> Big deal. Um, we didn't even have a dang sweater. All right, welcome into this edition of Road Tripping with Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry. I'm your host, Allie Clifton. Uh, we are back, finally. Yes. Uh, we are back. We're part of the Blue Wire podcast network, which we're so excited Let's to be a go. part of. Shout out to our uh, Blue Wire family. Um, but on this edition, we are coming to you from our Spectrum Sportsnet studios, and we have a very big guest. Y'all, oh, he's big time. A very successful, <laughs> respected man, a part of the Cronky Sports and Entertainment Empire. Uh, a man who wears many hats. But respected um, is like, we're going to have to chill We're going to get there. into all of that in a second. Oh, but I, I, I may be biased with this because your most important hat that you wear is being a friend of the Road Trippin' family. This is not your first rodeo on Road Trippin'. Josh Kroenke. Cheers. Not my first rodeo. Cheers, not your first rodeo. Happy to be back. Guess what? We all made eye contact this time. Hey. The last time on episode 16, go check it out with Josh. We did not, and he called us out. Yeah, we're supposed to make it. Well, I didn't make contact with Channing because he's not here. He's here virtually somewhere, but I guess it, you know, it is what it is, Channing. I'm sorry I'm I don't here. get to see you in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. Uh, before we dive in and obviously introduce the relationship, the friendship that the two of you have with uh, Josh, I will say I was getting ready for this episode, and I thought to myself, was he at uh, the NHL All-Star Weekend? Was he at the Pro Bowl Weekend? No, Josh. You made your uh, PGA I, Tour debut. I had a, a very special moment uh, this past week, weekend. Uh, I was invited to play in the AT&T Pro-Am up at Pebble Beach. Uh, as a golfer that doesn't take it too seriously but has a lot of fun with it, it was an experience I'll never forget. Uh, you get a chance to play with a pro. Um, he's playing his own ball, uh, but you're able to contribute as well. If you, you're playing to your handicap, you make a par. If you get a, a one of your handicap strokes on, then you get a, a net birdie for your team. And so it's, it's really fun to be able to play with a pro like that, especially in a setting as, as beautiful as Pebble Beach. I mean, we're on, I mean, just looking around, I had to pinch myself at some of the scenes that you're seeing up there along the bluffs. I mean, it's Northern California at its best. Who was the pro that you played with? Uh, played with a young man named Austin Eckroat. Um, just graduated from Oklahoma State University. It was one of his first events. Great guy. I think he's got a heck of a bright future ahead of him. Um, hit some great shots. Made the cut uh, as an individual, but unfortunately we didn't make it as a team. I guess that means I didn't carry <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you not, you did not carry your stuff. Um, but I've been a little busy lately. What can I say? I haven't been on the practice range. I've okay. had a few things that I've, I'm dealing with. Speaking of but, but the wait, many hats. But, but, but wait a second. I, what I love about Josh is Josh is super professional. He's very super, humble. Su very humble. But then when you really get him, it's like, Josh, how many guys <laughs> in the program do you think might have fudged their handicap a little bit? Look, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Larry Fitzgerald. No, 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 no. That no. was me. That was me. I watched. I watched. And I'm like, wait, he's a what? I'm like, dude. Like Larry's, me, Larry's a really good player. That's I, what I'm saying. I got a chance to meet him up there. What a wonderful guy. Yeah, great um, dude. Plays, still lives great. down in, in Phoenix, Scottsdale area, and gets a chance to play all the time down yeah. there. So Larry's, Larry's got a great swing. Yeah. Um, there are some other cool guys that were up there. Uh, it was cool to see, like a guy like I mean, Bill Murray's been up there playing that tournament forever. Oh, wow. Um, but like you know, musicians like Macklemore was there playing. Schoolboy Q was there playing. And there's, Richard's you know, favorite. 
Huh? School of Q? Oh, yeah. favorite. That's my, that's my guy. He has all his CDs. No, he said Macklemore. Oh, Macklemore? <laughs> Did you say I have all his CDs, bro? <laughs> okay, so who was... saved on your hard drive? Who uh, was... Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Hang on, can we first... Channing, it... when I sent the video of you yeah. to Channing, Channing was like, wait, he's on the tour? <laughs> he literally <laughs> thought you were on the tour. I mean, there was, it was covered by, by Golf Channel. I think ESPN Plus had some, like, bonus coverage of some holes and... Uh, so you better believe I went back through like the five hours of footage <laughs> to find like my 10 second swing. Okay. Um, especially because I hit the green. You I, did. I made par. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, it, that's like a, like a, 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 a destination hole for golf is this short little par three um, on the point out at Pebble Beach. And uh, that's where they had a camera station that day. And as I got over the ball, there was, you know, someone in the crowd wanted to heckle me just a little bit, yelled out Aaron Rodgers. I, I had to back ah. off. I had to reset for my shot, which is, as a golfer, you know, it's not ideal. Uh, but then as I, I swung the second time and, and knew where my ball was headed, someone out yelled out, let's go Rams. Yeah. So I gave, him, I gave him a little shout out. I said I liked that one. And then it was much easier for to miss the 15-foot putt for par and then tap it in. Oh, Aaron oh excuse me. Josh. Crunky. Oh, someone yelling from the crowd, let's go Aaron Rodgers, and enough to distract. Let's go Rams! I like that one. Oh, right, sweet. <laughs> So it's been a while since you've been heckled in sports while on the field. So so people don't know, like Josh, Division One athlete, played basketball at Missouri, roommates with Kareem Rush, former Laker. Mm -hmm. So it's like you, you know, you've been in this game for a long time. How is been it now? A few times. You've been heckled. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying while on the field of play, skin. on the field of play, this was this was the first time that you've been heckled in a while. Was it fun to get kind of get those juices going, hit yeah, a good I shot? Mean, it was it was a lot of fun, honestly, and especially to do so in a place like playing golf where I don't it's not really my comfort area. Yeah. Um, so you kind of had to get over some demons pretty quickly to to be able to swing a golf club with people, people out there and you know, cameras. Yeah. Um, but I played. Uh, I told you about my professional playing partner. You're also paired with another professional and one, one other amateur. And uh, I was paired with uh, another amateur named uh, Harris Barton. He was a legendary player for the San Francisco 49ers um, in the Joe Montana years. Okay. And what a wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, he made me feel so welcome. And he took a lot of the pressure off in kind of fun ways. And so as I would be standing over the ball, you know, on, on not a marquee tee box like 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 this like the hole at Pebble Beach but it was kind of out of the way there'd be some fans there and there were a lot of 49er fans so uh Harris would take the time to introduce me to the crowd and uh I would have a lot of people screaming yelling booing in my backswing um and I encouraged it and that was kind of the fun of the tournament yeah. and uh and so each time I got heckled by the fans I I fortunately piped my drive down the fairway so I felt pretty good about that um but it was it was a great event and People were wonderful. The setting was gorgeous, and the pros were incredibly welcoming as well, which just makes it that much more fun. So, hey, Channing, how's your pipe game down the fairway? Tight. I got four kids. <laughs> <laughs> Come. Lauren, a Lauren, bunch of hole in ones. <laughs> you guys are Dang. wrong for that. Listen, no, no, no bogeys over here. All birdies. So I'll rephrase. I hit mine straight down the fairway. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do that too. I do How about that too. That? <laughs> um, okay, Josh, of all the things that you have your hand in, which can you, because I didn't want to do you a disservice, so can you please let our audience know? We've got the Rams, mm -hmm. the Nuggets, mm -hmm. Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, mm -hmm. 
Arsenal. Arsenal Football Club in London, yes. Who else am I missing? Uh, you're missing Colorado Rapids. Uh, that's our Major League Soccer team. Uh, Colorado Mammoth, uh, part of Ma uh, Major League Lacrosse in Denver as well. Um, we're also involved in eSports. Um, we're involved in the Overwatch League uh, and the Call of Duty League, um, LA Gorillas. And uh, so there's a lot of things that we're involved in. Um, but, you know, for me personally, probably, you know, we're getting ready to talk um, sports. And sitting here with Richard, it makes me really excited to be here because there was a game that no one knows about that, that was played this year that was bigger than anything that I've ever participated in. Oh, this did. And, uh, and that was beating Richard in our Fantasy Football League final this year. Like and, that? How uh, do you I'm say I'm very pleased Can to you say, please say I am the champion of our Fantasy Football League uh, after all these years, and I played Richard in the final. And, you know, I had a scheduling conflict. I couldn't make the draft. I see him over there, you know, maybe using some, some sign language to let him know how he feels about me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my friends were fortunate enough to draft Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup for me this year. Well, no, no, this, no, so, no. You know what so I love, first of all, that he doesn't and, take credit and, be, and you give credit. If I'm going to play fantasy football, I have to have a bunch of Rams well, on my well, team. This, so no. I wasn't there. They gave me a lot of Rams guys, and I just said, thank you. I'll so go ahead and take the title this year. We do an in-person draft. It's, it's, and it's a very generous friendship group sh I have. Shut up. That's rude. By the way, That's I rude. will say, after <laughs> listing off all my topics, Geeter was like, you have to let everyone know that he won fantasy so, football. Yeah, Geeter's in there, too. Yeah, Geeter. So me, Geeter, there's a bunch of us in there, and Josh. And we've all been in it since the beginning. We've been doing this now 12, maybe like 12 or 13 years. Yeah, so we've been doing 13. I've been in the finals three times. I've lost three times. This is Josh's first time in the finals, and he wins. And we happened to be – we were together uh, during the finals. And you're just sitting here like, this is what it is, because Josh couldn't attend. And normally we all attend the draft together, whether it's Vegas. We've gone a bunch of different places, done it in New York. Just different places, and we go do something fun. So we're like, okay, well, Josh can't be here, but let's give Josh, like, his guide. Let's give him, you know, Stafford. I let's always give... draft Rams. I know, you always dra I, I know you always draft Rams. That's why we gave you your guys. Like, okay. like you weren't – like, you were trying to call in. So yeah. he gets Stafford. That sucked. Uh, it didn't work out well. <laughs> Cooper Cup, he wanted to be the greatest wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Uh, so that was cool. So I was like, I'm literally going against the most stacked team. My team shouldn't even have made it to the finals. And then I, I feel like, did you have Jamar Chase also? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So he had Jamar Chase, who had like 50 points that day. So I was done before it. And you're just like, you know, I just w really wish Josh could catch a break. That's you act, really what it you, is. You act like you haven't gone against a stacked team before in your actual own life. And come out on top. Yeah, so, but I'm I mean, just for really, three. can you just give Josh the credit? No, no, I don't like him like that. Like, I, I wanted to beat him. He knows it. That's why the first thing that he brought up was this. Channing doesn't care because Channing, Channing tried to do fantasy with us. What do you he, mean? I won my league. I won my league too, so I don't know this losing. I don't know that word. <laughs> know that. Who was who on I, your team, Channing? Channing doesn't remember. Jamar Chase and uh, Patrick Mahomes, and then I. <laughs> Made a crazy GM deal and got Debo Samuel halfway through the season. It was absolutely smacking the rest of the league. It wasn't even close. I got to give a big shout out to my co-managers, Jared Followill and, and and Dougie Shabbat because, I mean, it's 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 a team effort. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. Yeah. Because if Richard ever tries to tell you that he's, he's managing his fantasy team by himself, he is lying. <laughs> that is not team. true. I listen. Not I, a chance that Richard I, is on there doing this. I am. First of all, so you know, look, the the league we have, we have partners, we have teammates, we have guys that help us out. Me, I am solo. Like it is just me. Yeah. I have some advisors. I have some people that are like I ask questions for like what we should do. But now they they don't want to give me credit. See, I give Josh credit. He doesn't want to give me credit, but that's cool. Whatever. Richard, I give you credit. I mean, you you've 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 been there before. I haven't. <laughs> 
he can't funny. even keep a straight face when I'm trying to give him credit. That's how, that's how much involvement he has. <laughs> so in this now, team. what? You just have bragging rights till next season? Yeah, with I fantasy? mean, now the, the big the big honor and pressure that I have is now I get to plan our draft for for next year. That, that's the honor of of the winner. They get to plan the draft for the next year, and I think. If I know anything about our league, they're actually really happy that I won this because they're, they're really looking forward to the draft now. They're like, oh, they're like, like Luke. Ah, so Luke one, Wal he has to come. Two, he has to plan it. Yeah. So, so Luke Walton's yeah. also on the draft, and he was like, Richard, like, I'm really kind of rooting for you, but I think everybody really wants Josh. Was it, dude? You've been in the league for 12 years now. It's only fitting yeah. that you finally get a chance to to pick where we go and what yeah, and we for, do. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, for a few years, I half-assed it. Like, I, I paid attention, but I wasn't monitoring the waiver wire, which is, like, the key thing to do for well, Were fantasy. you busy on a Sunday or a Saturday? I was a little busy on Saturdays and Sundays. And, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, some of the businesses that I deal with, it's not as appealing to play, <laughs> play fantasy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, a lot of good banter with your buddies, and now I get to get on his podcast and rub a little salt in the Ah, uh, whatever. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> why you're here. What is this week like, though, by the way? The last um, two weeks, I guess. Okay, so back to real up. sports. Uh, yeah, so we are, uh, it's been a whirlwind. The last month has been a real whirlwind. When we, thinking back to January 9th, uh, we lost uh, our last home game of the season versus San Francisco 49ers, and it changed the playoff seating around significantly. And the, when the way the playoffs unfolded, we wound up hosting the NFC Championship, which was kind of on our heels. We were down in Tampa and then coming back to host. And then we were fortunate enough to win that game, and now we're uh, playing in the Super Bowl. And it's kind of a pinch yourself moment to think back of the journey that we've been on for the last, I don't know, X number of years uh, to the opening of the stadium through a global pandemic. And to be here, like I said, you're really kind of pinching yourself to, to have the opportunity to, to be a part of this weekend. Uh, but I think the cool thing, if I'm going to go all, you know, sports on you is right after we won the NFC Championship, you know, I was down there and I was around Coach McVay and some of the players and you could immediately you could see their their joy and their elation of the moment but there was no no satisfaction those guys were immediately tuned back in they're like you know this is great we're, we're happy but you know we're by no means satisfied and i think that's a really exciting thing for for a group like that of of talented individuals that have a really collective mindset of stay focused let's not let's not get out of our way here and and you know there's there's a game to be played outside of this amazing event um, I say event because I joked with Richard beforehand. It does feel like we're hosting, you know, the world's biggest party. Um, oh, you are. And so, you know, SoFi Stadium is now the world's biggest nightclub. And yes, so yes, it will. I feel be. like I have the entire world reaching out to me for tickets and uh, and things of that nature. And you want to try to accommodate everyone because it's it's such a special event. I mean, LA hasn't been able to host a Super Bowl since 1993, I think. Um, and so this is a big event in a lot of ways, and to have an LA team playing in it. Uh, and it to be at our stadium is just a complete the honor. The LA team. Yeah, the LA team. The LA team. Let's let's clarify that. So people always question my like loyalty. They're like, wait, you're from Arizona, shouldn't you like the Cardinals? I hate the Cardinals. I moved to Arizona. Shut up, Channing. I moved to I moved to <laughs> Arizona. I was born here in LA. Yeah, I moved to Arizona LA. 88, 89, and then the Cardinals had a stretch of like 10 years where they were utterly trash. Mm -hmm. So I don't support them when they're good. I don't support them when they're bad. I'm just not. So my thing was always that, like, hey, as soon as L.A. gets a team, I'm going to support that team whenever it may come. Just so happens to be that the Rams come. So we were at – I went to the very first game mm -hmm. there. It was uh, at the Coliseum. We, we took the Fantasy Football League there for, for the, our 
We had we had our draft one year. The first year they came back, we had our draft and then went to a game that night. Yeah, yeah. And it was so pre, it was in the preseason. Yeah, it was preseason, yeah. and then we went to the, the opening Coliseum. night game. I was, I, yeah, it was a good time. So yeah. I am all in on Rams. When people were like, "Oh, were you always Rams fan?" I was like, "No," but they're back in L.A. So now they're like, "What was that whole process?" I know that L.A. didn't have football for. Ever and then the Rams obviously came back. I know that was an emotional thing for you know because you're from Missouri. Your dad, you know, with his connection to Missouri, like moving that team to LA. Like, tell me about that process. Um, I mean, I wasn't directly part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I think you know better than most. I mean, my focus for the last decade or so has been on Nuggets and Avs and Rapids and Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last few, I've even obviously expanded over to Arsenal in the UK since, you know, the last three, four years or so, spending a lot of time over there. But the Rams, I mean, they, they had a great run in St. Louis, won a Super Bowl there. Uh, and then, but the process of, of you know, the, the stadium and moving back to Los Angeles, I mean, that's probably, we'd probably have to de- designate a whole other road trip and podcast <laughs> for you and get a few other people to come in. Yeah. Um, it was an emotional roller coaster, I'm sure, on a lot of levels for a lot of people, no one more so than my father. Uh, but to see him up on that stage at the, after the NFC Championship, you know, I know was a moment for him um, in a stadium that, that he built, financed himself, and, you know, really designed from the ground up. And uh, I know it's something that he's proud of. He wanted L.A. to be proud of it. And, you know, I think back to one of the first design meetings, uh, we were sitting there and they were laying out all the, you know, certain aspects of the design and everything. And my dad kind of stopped the meeting and he said, look, guys, if, if we're going to do this, then, you know, I want to make sure that, that we're doing this in a way that, that, that makes people proud. Because I think our biggest risk, if we're going to do this for a place like Los Angeles or try to do this for a place like Los Angeles, our biggest risk is undershooting this thing. And so when I first walked out on the 50 yard line of the stadium, you know, in August of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, when you couldn't have people in it, that was when they laid the turf, everything had just been done. I called him and I, I walked out and I said, Dad, I was like, you're not gonna believe where I'm standing. And he said, where? I said, I'm on the 50 yard line. He said, oh, how is it? What do you think? And I said, the only thing I can tell you is you did not undershoot this thing. <laughs> yes. And it is, it's an, it's an iconic building. Uh, I think the NFL is proud of it. Hopefully Southern California is as well in general. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of great events coming there in the future. Uh, starting off with the Super Bowl right now. But uh, like I said, we got a game to play and we got business to take care of. So um, hopefully come Sunday evening, we're in a, in a pretty good mood. Have you guys had a chance yet? Obviously, there's still the ultimate goal to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. But whether it be opening night or, you know, during this playoff run, obviously last Sunday with the NFC Championship, have you guys had a moment yet this season where you're just like, wow, in terms of SoFi? Uh, not yeah, to, you know. Mine would have been after the NFC Championship. Yeah. I mean, I was I was down there on the field and the confetti was kind of falling and, you know, I gave Odell a big hug and Andrew Whitworth a big hug and, you know, some of the guys that I kind of know a little bit. Um, and it's it, it was surreal uh, because you remember and you think back to all of the, the times and, and the process to getting to that point in time. And so to have a moment like that, that you really couldn't con- script or control. I mean, it was the seating was out of our hands. And then all of a sudden the teams that, that needed to get upset got upset. And then we were able to take care of business in Tampa following an amazing comeback from Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And then, you know, most winning quarterback of all time. And then you get into, you know, all these other things. And then all of a sudden you're hosting an NFC championship game. And you're like, wow, I mean, this is a, a moment in time. And you walk into that stadium and you see the fans, you see the Niner fans, you hear how loud it is. And then you're able to come out and, and, and accomplish your goal and win the game, which is, you know, completely out of your control. 
Um, you're fight, fighting against another team that wants to be there just as badly as you do. Uh, and the 49ers are a great ball club. And so we had to, to really you know, put our foot on the gas late and to take care of business in that moment and win the game to be able to go on to the Super Bowl. You had to kind of take, take a deep breath and be like, wow, I mean, this mm -hmm. is really happening. So we were trying to have another one of those on Sunday. And I think that's a common goal, which is really cool to, to hear and see from all the players and staff. So me, me, me and Geeter, obviously, like some, some Cali guys, like we're, we're fully supportive. Like me and Geeter were laughing because people sent us pictures of us, like our screenshots of us, because we were like in the stands. So oh, yeah. Josh yeah. is up in the suite. Me and Geeter are like, we're, we're on like the 20-yard line. Maybe not sober. I don't know. We're not going to get into details, but we're having a great time. And we're just like fist pumping, going crazy. People like start sending us pictures that we made it on TV. And so me and Geeter are immediately posting it on social media. We're just like, yeah, look at this. We made it. And like somebody was like, you two clowns are on TV for four hours every single day. Every day. <laughs> like all you're on the TV every day. I'm doing stuff. And you guys are super excited that you made it in the crowd during the NFC Championship game. But like that's what it that's what it means for the people that have wanted football here in LA that are like so excited and it does like the, there was a ton of 49ers there the 49ers mm. have an amazing fan base the Bay Area is one of the best like like fan like oh, experience yeah. in towns when you're talking about the Giants and you're talking about the Warriors and you know you're just you're looking at as all I know that. from the golf tournament 49ers oh, have yeah. a wonderful oh, fan base <laughs> so like you know what does that mean to like to know that in any okay so Scotty C another guy in our fantasy football mm. league. He, from L.A., dad was a big Rams fan. His dad passed away, and it was just super emotional. Like, have you guys had that interaction with people that are like, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for bringing, you know, the Rams back to L.A. Thank you for bringing football back to L.A. Like, have you had those emotional experiences with different fans? Absolutely. Uh, I've had several, mm -hmm. and I know my dad's had some. All of our executives have had theirs. But, I mean, mine first started uh, when the Rams first were announced they were going to move back here. Uh, I mean, people forget the history of the Los Angeles Rams is the Los Angeles Rams, you know, from from a long time ago up until the mid 90s when they moved to St. Louis. And so when they when they came back, one of the first things I mean, I, I flew into LAX, went out, hopped in a cab and I was going over to uh, this kind of dinner that we were we were going to have or someone was going to host on behalf of, of the team and just making small talk with the driver and he put two and two together pretty quickly and he was like oh wow he's like that's 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 you and your that's your family that's your father and I was like yeah I was like I'm very proud to say that is and he was like I just want to say thank you because I was able to purchase um, he's like when I was a kid my, my dad took me to my first NFL game and that was a Rams game versus you know whomever he had mentioned at the time and he's like I was able to to get online and buy the same exact two seats wow. that my dad took me to for my first game and he's like I have those seats for the first game back when the Rams come to LA. That's wow. And he was taking his dad. That's and so there's I've had a few stories like that and and the history of the Rams around LA is is a very proud one. Um they don't have a championship here. Uh and so that's going to be our our main focus heading into this weekend is to try to take care of business, um, regardless of how we do it. Win ugly, win pretty. Uh, Just try win. to come out there with a win. Sports are so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story, because yeah. I think it's important also, especially for those that maybe not do not get a chance to go to SoFi ever mm -hmm. and, and get it to experience um, all that that has to offer, especially. Mm -hmm. um, when you are a part of an ownership group of not just one team, but several like you are, mm -hmm. do you hear from like other players of other teams when things like this happen? Yeah. Uh, and most definitely. I mean, um, after the NFC Championship, I think Richard, you were standing there. Yeah. We were we were joking. 
my phone was going off, you know, seemed like forever. And when I glanced down at it, just one of the texts that had come through was from Nikola Jokic. And, uh, you know, away. to get a text from, from a guy like that in the middle of a celebration, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, our, our other players kind of follow the other teams of what we're, they're, you know, they're, they're fans of other clubs, just mm -hmm. like, you know, they would be from where their, their hometown might be. But I think they see that we're trying to apply some of the same principles across our organizations. Uh, we encourage our coaching staffs, our management to kind of exchange ideas. You know, you're not really comparing apples and apples. You might be comparing apples and oranges, but, you know, the way you address teams, the, psych the psychological aspect of managing and controlling a, a dressing room, a locker room, um, with a bunch of grown men who all have, you know, amazing talents and you're trying to manage all those talents to the best of the, for the best of the group, there's a lot of similarities there. Mm -hmm. And so we encourage all of that and I think it brings um, people together in interesting ways and it's been a lot of fun to see our coaches exchanging ideas over the last few years as well. Brings people together unlike road tripping because Channing says that he has to talk about Nikola Jokic, which means he's not here in studio with us. Well, that, <laughs> was, that wasn't his that wasn't his exact term. Is, are, are we are we pro Nicola or are we anti Nicola? Because every now and then I'll turn on something and there's like you know Kendrick Perkins <laughs> no, we, saying something about Nicola no, no, and I'm just no, like so, uh, I don't even no, no, I stopped no, paying I'll, attention because I'm like and how I, can you not love this guy? I mean the, the the numbers don't lie. He's the MVP. Channing, what is it? Unstoppable players in the NBA right now, and Nikola Jokic is one of them. Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Kevin Durant. Those are the four most unstoppable players. And this year's MVP is basically going to be who's the healthiest, right? Because it's up to Jokic and Embiid. And, no, and I, I don't think it's anyone, everyone else is not even close. And I don't know if people watch basketball, but like my question to you is what, what changed or is that just his evolution? Because he was always like, you know, he would get, excuse me, he would get like 12 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Now he's getting fucking 50, 14, and, and 12. Like, how does really that 26, happen? 14, and 8. And, well, I mean, yeah, 46. That wasn't... No, no, no. That's what he's averaging, 26, 14, and 8. God. Like... He's not, and he's not even like, like – it doesn't look like it's, it's work, but he's not like out there stressing. Like, he's not a guy that's going to play in the fourth quarter trying to pad stats. But, you know, like, he'll sit, right? I think you guys are blowing somebody out a week ago, and he sat basically the whole fourth well, quarter and we're, laughing with teammates. Yeah, and real quick, and, and this is why, like, I think why, like, me, you, Luke, Channing, all of us became, like, really, really close friends is because, like, you played basketball at a high level, right? So, like, you're playing major Division One college basketball. Missouri, like, you guys had great teams there. His coach was Quinn Snyder, the coach of the Utah Jazz. Like, so, like, that was what when we were younger. That was our fun stuff. When you first came out of college, like talking about like basketball yeah, in that was detail. How we all bonded that, that's, yeah, and it yeah. was just like us talking about basketball and having fun, talking about all the AAU tournaments. So like when you watch Nikola Jokic, when you watch him, and it's like you're watching from like a trained basketball eye, a person that understands the game. Like how crazy is it? Some of the shit he can do. Like it's it's <laughs> mind blowing. You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. Um, but. There are times when I'm I'm watching our games, and granted, I mean I'm I'm assuming I watch more Nuggets games than you guys do. I mean, I, I probably it's probably part of my job. Um, if they're I, on I the actually part of their job you specifically too. Stat lines, <laughs> you guys are tuning into the big national ones, but like I mean, you're not tuning in to you know on the game random game on Tuesday yes, night. If in, they're on the know. test, then I watch. If they're not going to be on the test the next day, then I don't okay. watch. All right. <laughs>
Now we know how Richard cheats on all of, the, all of his exams. You just got to study what's all going to be on the test. Like. Um, okay, so Nicola, I mean, he's as unique of a player, I think, as you'll, you'll ever come across. Yeah, agreed. Um, we were lucky enough to, to draft him. I think, you know, I, I remember his whole story very vividly. I mean, we had a gentleman, he now runs the Chicago Bulls, named Arturis Karnaschovas on our staff. Um, Tim Connolly is, is still our, our president of basketball ops. Arturis was our, our number two, our GM at the time. And they, they kind of pulled me in and they were just like, you know, this is how we see the draft. You know, we have, we have number, number 11 and we have 41. And let's, we, we'd love to, to, to take a flyer on a young man in the second round. And, you know, they, we, we talked about him and they showed me grainy footage of this kid that was, it was like in this pink jersey. And if you've ever seen the, the jerseys of, of the, the, the team that, that Nicola played with in Europe, you'll, it, they're unforgettable. Um, but you see this kid throwing these passes, and you know he probably couldn't jump over a phone book at the time. Still, but it, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> but it doesn't um, matter. Yeah, but you know, you it see, you, you you saw what you saw what they saw, which is was his feel. Yeah, and um, I've said, you know, I I trust you guys. Let's let's figure this out. And so that draft turned in. We traded down from 11 to we traded from 11 to 16, and to, we picked up traded 11 for 16 and 19, and then we drafted Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris. And then at 41, we take we took Nicola. So I mean that that was a hell of a draft for us. Um, unfortunately, you know Yusuf and Gary they moved on to other teams. Nicola's you know now the MVP of the league. Um, but even he stayed over in Europe for another year. And when he came over the following summer, and summer league, we were still kind of like you know what do we have here? Um, I'll give Mike Miller credit. Yeah. Mike Miller was the first one to call the shot. Mike was on our team that year. And Mike, just like Richard and I have a great like relationship. Like the Mike Miller? Yeah, Mike Three Miller. Point Mike yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. So Mike, like, no, as, as I have a random relationship with Richard and Channing, Mike and I were on the same, like, traveling AAU team way back Oh, in no the way. Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mike was on our, our team. And it's, it's always fun to have our guy, my friends around a little bit because I know they have an interesting perspective and they just shoot me straight. But Mike came walking over from training camp and he's like, hey, man, he's like, who is this kid? And he's like this Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, that's our you know, kid. He goes, never trade him. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He goes, don't trade. He goes, if anything comes up in the next few years, don't trade him. And I was like, well, we weren't planning on it. We think he's got a chance to be pretty good. Why? He goes, that dude's IQ is through the roof. <laughs> and uh, oh, and so I was like, right away, I was, and when, when I, I love when I sit down and talk to my friends because a lot of times my friends, we don't talk about talent, ability, shooting, this, that, flash. Like most of what we talk about doesn't pass the eye test. And to me, the best players, you know, when you sit down and you talk to Braun, like you're really rolling through. Like LeBron's basketball IQ is, yeah. is insane. He just has these physical gifts that people latch on to first. But LeBron can see and, and read the game as well or better than anybody. And Nicola, I'm not going to put him remotely close to, to a LeBron yet in his career. But, you know, I mean, Nicola has, he has the ability to win his individual matchup. And once he wins his individual, individual matchup, he knows the best play to make every time. Dude, and I think that's, what, that's basically what, what LeBron does on a nightly basis and has done his entire career is you, you win your individual matchup. And if you can go score, you do that. And if not, you're reading the defense because they're, they're constantly rotating to that next spot. And Nicola, I mean... There was a, a game winner he threw to, to Aaron Gordon a few weeks ago in the corner. Where yeah, I was doing the call. He gets, he get, yeah, were you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Nicola gets double teamed. Um, at, you know, he's way out on the opposite wing, and it's the end of the game. And he just waits for that, 
defender to, that he knows has to move, and he doesn't. He hardly looks. He just he's seven feet tall. He sees over the two guys coming at him. He waits for the other de, other defender to move, and then he just he throws the ball where he knows the defense can't get it. And Aaron Gordon hit a game winner, and no one else can see that pass. No, and well, that's know, what I mean, you, there's only a handful of guys on this planet that can see that pass. Well, and, and, and that's what you're talking about. It's different, right? Like you can watch a guy for a few minutes and be like. Okay, that's that's different. Whether it's physical at, like attributes, whether like you watch him make a play and you watch him make a couple of plays, and that's where it's like he plays a different game. Mm. There's only five or six guys in the NBA in any sport that you're like, oh no, what, what he, he's playing a different game. Mm. Like we're out here trying to score, trying to win games. We're like he's just out here playing. Like and look, Braun is one of those guys. I think Luka Doncic is one of those guys. Uh, like Joel. KD, Joel is one KD. of those guys because they're just physical ability. But like what he does, I think when you get guys like KD, when you get guys like like Joel, once their mental IQ catches up to their physical ability, which is like a 10 out of 10, that's when they start to become like MVPs high level. Jokic, his mental ability, his physical ability has to catch up to his mental ability. And that's what he did. Like he yeah. lost, what, 30 pounds from when yeah. he came into the league. Yeah. And then that's why he's become so like, like almost an Iron Man for you guys. And just his overall like focus, like when you play against Bronny, you're like, okay, we got to stop him. We also got to stop him from getting everybody else involved. Mm -hmm. And then you got to keep him off the glad. You got to do all these things. Like what has been the most surprising thing that even after watching Jokic for a little bit, what's been the most surprising thing that you see year on year? Because he keeps getting better. You know, I couldn't point to a specific thing, but I mean, I think that the most impressive thing about Nikola is he, he's never lost. I mean, he's the same person that he was when he came over at, you know, 19, 18, 19 years old, even though he's the most valuable player of the league now, the reigning MVP. Um, but he's, you know, he's, as, as, as he's understood, um, I think, even his gifts. Mm. Um, but you go back, I mean, he would show it in flashes. And, uh, like, on his, in his rookie year, I remember we were playing against the, the Memphis Grizzlies, and you see, like, this young Nikola out there, and he's being guarded by Marcus All, who at the time was probably, you know, One preeminent best, centers yeah. in, the, in, the, in the league. And Mark's kind of getting a feel for him. And Nikola, I mean, he never moves his head, but there's a play where somebody cut, and, you know, Marcus All is defending him in the post. And Nikola threw behind the back pass, behind <laughs> Mark, Mark. Mark's back, yeah. and to a, to a cutting Gary Harrison stride for a, for a layup. And you're, you're sitting there watching this, and you're like, <laughs> You're like, that's not you know, normal. That's, that's, that's a not, different game. And, but he was he was seeing things one step ahead. And I think to, to Richard's point, like as he cleaned up his diet, um, he understood what what makes him feel better physically. Uh, he he works out constantly now. He's never going to look like um, you know Serge Ibaka yes. in his prime. But you know, or you know somebody like that. That's you know. He can like, look I like mean, Channing. He's never gonna look like Channing Fry in oh, his prime. Oh God! Um, but you know, so, but he doesn't need to. I no. mean, you 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 give him the ball, you know, 15 feet from the basket, and maybe outside of one or two guys, he's gonna be able to back him right down mm -hmm. because he's so strong. He, he just may not look like he's you know chiseled out of granite, but he's he's as strong as anybody that you'll come across. And his IQ and understanding how to use his body. Absolutely. And the way in which he is. Uh, Channing. Okay, so you said that he is a part of four guys that are unstoppable in the NBA. Is your MVP right now? This week? No. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> today. But today? No, no, no. But in the I last mean, 12 hours? In the last 12 no. hours. <laughs> no, but I mean, next, it's like this month, Joel Embiid has had a crazy yeah. month. Yeah. And then what he, a player. Mm -hmm. What a like player. Next month, Jokic has an even crazier month. And I also think what's dangerous is, you know, I don't know how much you could talk about this, but like 
Jamal Murray may be coming back. Guys after the break play a lot different. Like they're starting to get a lot more to think of all the injuries Denver has had. And then you think of all the time and all the COVID protocols, injuries that they've been dealing with. And then you think like now they get a break and say, hey, this is the home run stretch. You're going to see guys playing a lot better basketball. And that's what's scary about Denver is like if Jokic has been playing that good, and now the rest of his teammates continue to get better, his stats are going to get better. He's going to have a 25-point assist night one of these nights. You know, he's going to have a 50-ball. I think, for me, he's going to evolve the better his teammates get. So that's what's scary about the Denver Nuggets, where it's like now, it's like, I think to me, Philly is who they are, and Embiid needs to continue to dominate scoring, where Jokic can dominate the game when it comes to assists and rebounds. And defensively, he's taking leaps and bounds because he's engaged. It's not like he's out there blocking crazy shots, but I don't know how he does it. He, he yeah. like, had a, a game-winning block. He's had, like, blocks where he doesn't leave the ground. He's had blocks. Like, I'm, I'm, like yeah, I mean, kid, that's – like, Ch like, Channing, you hit on something the there, blocks. but I, I think the – you know, and I, I hate to even get into any discussion about MVPs or anything like that because I right, think right. we're still – you know, to say we're pinching ourselves about being in the Super Bowl this week, we're pinching ourselves about drafting and developing and having an MVP on our roster. First, in second round pick, right. first, yeah, second round, first pick second round pick ever. So to have him is is something that we're ecstatic about. But like, you know, to to see what Nicola and and Joel have done in particular this year um, without key guys on their team, um, and to do it with smiles on their face. I mean, and and as big men, I think it's it's pretty cool to see the league have have Joel, a guy like Joel, and a guy like Nicola. Um, doing their thing, and you know, there's. Then you get into the KDs, Giannis's. I mean, look, look at what Golden State and Steph have been doing. I mean, Dude, it, it's I, it's just it's it's so cool to see the league. I, I, I said that doing two, what it's doing right now. That two years ago, like Anthony Davis, and I know this is gonna get cut because we're on the Laker Network. But I was like, Anthony Davis is like a top five player, right? And then cut to two years later, and you're like, holy shit, like. He might be the fourth best big man, and I'm including Giannis as a big man. It might be Joel, it might be Jokic, it might be Joel, and then Giannis. And you're like, the fact that we went from what like an air. I listen, I, I, listen, man, like you got to know your audience, right? He, like, but he also might be giving you something to think about, too. Since Ooh. his return, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been so impressive yeah. in his return. And that was the thing. Yeah. When he was out, it was like, when we were talking about Anthony Davis, it was never like, like slamming Anthony Davis or saying that it was just like, yo, Anthony, bro, wake up. You're one of the greatest players we've ever seen in our lives. Like we've been watching this game for 30 years. Like, dude, do you know what you can do? And it just, you wanted him to get back to that level. And I think that having other big men that he's like, oh shit, these guys are playing <laughs> yeah. their A game. Like that's it. Look, man, iron sharpens iron. And so, like, and I think, like, Anthony Davis, you know, when you look at his performance, I think it only makes him better that he's got these other big men. And that's what when there was no big men for, like, 15 years that were, like, super dominant since Shaq. And I know there were Tim Duncan and all these guys. And there was a little bit of the small ball era that was, like, dominant. But now, all of a sudden, these bigs have come out of nowhere in the last, like, five years. And now it's, like, Anthony Davis, Jokic, Giannis, and, and Joel. Like, these guys are just you know, running the league, man. Well, you're setting it, – it's cool to see guys like like Joel and Nicola kind of leading the charge because, you know, the game kind of got away from big guys yeah. for a second there. And, you know, when you're playing, you know, this, the spacing game that has become very popular and very efficient in today's modern NBA, the big guy kind of got forgot about there for a second. 
but then you have the emergence of Joel and Nicola, and they're, I guess, molded like a more traditional back-to-the-basket center, but then you realize that the skill sets that they have, it, yeah. and they're stretching out to the three-point line. It's not their... It's not where they want to go first. They don't. They don't run to the line and stop. They run. To, they run to the block and they're they're doing things. But they're they're shooting threes. They're they're helping facilitate. They're doing dribble handoffs. And there there's just so much more things that these bigs are doing to get their teammates involved and to make make their presence felt even more. And you see guys like Joel and Nicola doing it just as as well, if not better than anybody right now. It's it's great to see. It's like they haven't forgot about their bread and butter, yet they've mm -hmm. evolved. But they've evolved. They're, they're, they they're evolving the game on the fly. Before we move on, because you also have another team that you can be very mm -hmm. proud of right now, um, I do want to get your thoughts, and I don't want to misquote uh, Coach Malone at all, because mm -hmm. I, I love him. I think he's an awesome coach. Uh, respect him. But I, the quote has happened a couple weeks ago. But just on the long, along the lines of um, Nicola and, and the MVP chatter, do you feel like he doesn't get talked about enough? Um, or maybe get the respect that he deserves? Just say yes. Just say yes. And we Absolutely. all understand your position. So Absolutely. taking that into account as well. I think if you look at the, uh, I mean, look at the, just look at the advanced stats right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible what Nicole is doing. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. The impact he has on a game, both offensively and I think the underrated aspect of his game right now, when he's throwing up triple doubles on a nightly basis, what he's doing anchoring our defense now is, is impressive. He, he has had to evolve in that from, from a lot of ways, and that's part of his getting his body in shape. Um, but it's also from a big when you're behind the defense and you're barking out instructions to the guards in front of you and you're kind of helping command what's going on behind the scenes as your guards are out there trying to defend the perimeter. Um, there's a lot of knowledge that has to go into it as well. And I think Nicola has used that intelligence well as he's gotten more comfortable on the defensive end. And so what he's doing offensively, that's going to show up in the box score, all the triple doubles. But what he's doing defensively shouldn't be underestimated either. And if you look at the numbers right now, Nicola Jokic is hands down the MVP of the NBA. No, and, and, and look, I don't like, like, you should 100% believe that because his numbers do state that. But one thing that I'll add to that is that when, not me, but like at one of my other jobs, we have people that break down the stats. <laughs> And they were like, look, when he is on the floor, they are statistically like the Golden State Warriors from 2015 and 16, like his plus minus. When he's off the floor, the Denver Nuggets are – now, mind you, you're missing Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. has been injured. But it's like a when work he's – work, No, but I'm saying when he's off the floor, because they are missing yeah. so much other – We have two it's max like, players out. Yeah, yeah, you have two max players. So when you're missing those other two max, when he's off the floor, you're one of the worst teams. And that's not to knock your player. You're missing $80 million in salary cap when, those, when, he, when they're all off the floor. Like – he is so impressive with how he can anchor a team. But to your point, Allie, my, my, the hardest thing with all of us being friends with Josh is you just wish he could catch a break. It's like, you know, he wins the Fantasy Football League. The Rams are in the Super Bowl. He's got the reigning MVP. Oh, how are the Colorado Avalanche doing right now? <laughs> We're in first place. <laughs> Big deal. We um, didn't even have a dang sweater. Huh? Yo, if you go back to episode 16 with Josh, I encourage you all, because that is a completely different episode, by the way. It yes, is hilarious. It, it's more so on the friendship side. However, Channing, you were complaining then that you wanted Josh to get you a sweater. Hendrick's still playing hockey, right? Uh, dog, yes. Hockey sweaters are the best. No, he's, he's playing basketball now. So that's that's interesting. Well, yeah. Well, if he's anything like his dad, Channing, he should probably that, stay I, in I, Now this is coming up. I I, did, I remember he, this yes. now. Who who was you, the you who were, was the individual? You were, you were fans of our, our our team back when we won the cup in '96. Yeah. Right. '96 and exactly. '01. Yes. Yeah, I like young that. Channing. I just, my dad was like, well, if you got, got, huh? Said young Channing was a hockey fan. 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Hockey Live is the best show I've seen. And I know people may disagree with me, but Hockey Live is the best sport to watch live. I, I, it, I couldn't agree more. They're trying to do a better job of making it better on TV to watch. But Hockey Live was one of my favorite. And my son played for two and a half years. And he might go back, but, you know, obviously COVID and stuff like that. It's, Channing raises a good point, good honestly. I mean, if, if you guys have, have never been to an NHL game, I encourage anyone to go yeah, um, to, to, to the casual best. fan that, that, that has maybe seen the sport on television. You have to go to an NHL game. Um, it's the biggest difference between um, television and seeing it live. You really appreciate the athletes. You appreciate the speed of the game. And, you know, Richard, Richard runs around and, and what he used to do on the NBA court, you know, that's fantastic. These guys are doing it on skates. It's crazy. And they're, yeah. uh, the hand-eye in the, in the sport is above and beyond almost anything else out there. And, and to be frank, there's a lot of great guys. I mean, there's great guys in the NBA and across all of our sports, but there's a lot of great guys in the NHL. It's been one of the things that I've really found rewarding is, is digging, digging in on that side of our business and helping build that. We have an amazing general manager, um, Joe Sackick, uh, yeah, form, heard former, former legendary player yeah, for him. us. And, you know, Richard makes a joke about, uh, you know, where we are right now with our teams. But, uh, I mean, I'm very proud of where we're right now where we are with our teams because you had to build to get here. And there were some, some years where, you know, you have to go through the building process. You're, you're changing out a lot of things and you're putting in a lot of young players and you're trusting those young players to help you um, build something for the future. Uh, your coaches are establishing the culture. You're handing that off to certain players to kind of run that on a daily basis and help police that culture. And I think from the Avalanche to the Nuggets to the Rams, and we haven't talked about Arsenal Football Club over in London just yet, but um, I'm really proud of those organizations. The Colorado Rapids, we finished top of our conference this past year as well. And so we're, we're starting to have a, a pretty good formula behind the scenes, which is, um, you know, bringing in, start with really good people who like, love their sport. And uh, I think that when you start with good people who love what they do, you can really lay a solid foundation. And so for all the relative success, because we haven't won anything yet, um, but we're having some relative success that, you know, it starts with a foundation of good people that, that work really hard and, um, you know, a big believer in, in organizational culture. And I think that uh, right now all of our teams have that. And I'm, I'm really excited about the possibilities for really all of our organizations right now because um, the one X factor that goes into winning, winning at the highest level is you got to have a little luck. bit of luck here and there. <laughs> And, you know, a sprained ankle, a, you know, a hurt knee, it, you know, as much planning as we all want to do and say goes into this, and it does, it can all get yanked out from underneath you as soon as somebody goes down. So, you know, you want to have uh, your fingers crossed and hope for a little bit of luck. But if we're healthy, um, I, I, I like our chances against, against anybody. Could it have all started with his fantasy football league win? It may have. Look, you, you know, know set the table well. Get into lacrosse. <laughs> Set the table well. That's why Channing can't be at home. That's why Channing, look, look at Channing. Like, this is why you, you, you yeah, look at the, this is what we're working with. But on the, you know, as, as the NBA kind of has gone to spacing and shooting, um, the NHL has gone for speed and skill. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so you're not seeing a lot of, you know, there's, you're still going to see some of the, the heavy hitting and, and, and fighting that goes on. But we, uh, our team is, is engineered around a lot of very high-speed athletes that are very skilled at what they do. Um, you know, our captain, Gabe Landeskog, has been with us since he was 18 years old. Wow. Um, we've drafted yeah. and developed a lot of these guys. Nathan McKinnon, he's a, you know, perennial Hart Trophy finalist. Um, you have Kale McCarr, who was a finalist for the Norris Trophy last year, you know, league's best defenseman. He's only, you know, I think 21, 22 years old now. Um, and so we have a bunch of, bunch of young men that are very focused, and now they have some 
uh, Stanley Cup experience as well. We don't have Stanley Cup finals experience, but um, there's a few teams, you know, Vegas has had our number in the playoffs for a few years, and I know that our guys um, were focused on being healthy come April, and uh, we'll see where the chips fall at, at the end of it. But our guys, um, you know, we've, we've got a good chance. We're healthy. Shall we get into Arsenal? Yes. Let's <laughs> talk right. about some soccer. I. Is actually, it soccer or is it football? Channing, 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 should we mute Channing yeah, for that yeah, comment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Channing, yeah. Channing, it's football. It's football. I football. know, I'm totally joking. Come on. I'm totally joking. Man, I like I'm totally joking. Totally joking. I actually um, have done a lot of reading on this, um, but it's not my story to tell. Um, but I think having you here um, and certainly listening to a lot of your interviews around um, this entire process um, is very intriguing. And I think it's one also... Um, I think at the end of it, you're very adamant about your fans understanding and knowing um, where you stand as ownership as well with everything. Um, so I think just from the beginning to, to where it has now become, um, starting with the, the decision with the Super League. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> jumping right into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like overall, overall. Yeah. Arsenal and what you, you know, the one thing that that's it's, it's kind of cool to introduce everybody to, and I'll just say mm -hmm. from my standpoint, is because just yeah, like you've been to a game, yeah, I've been to a game. We went to yeah. R RC Chelsea, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, no, the cool thing about Josh is just like anything else, it's like watching your friend's journey. Like you watched me like come out of college, and you were one of the first people that would like you know you you were like man, I got emotional watching you win a championship. But he also knows that I was competing against Luke and watching me and Channing win a championship. So like Josh has been there for every step of the journey, and so it's like to watch your journey. You know whether when you were uh, you know I think I might go back to NYU. I think I'm about going back to graduate school, or I might you know just go you know shadow shadow my pops. And it's like you're, I'm like hey, I'm like, you I'm like I'm like hey Josh man, they're not going to teach you anything at NYU. You're not going to learn. Really taking a trip down memory lane. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oh. You wanted to go all the way back to the very no, beginning. But, but, I just wanted to. But my to, yeah. point is, is, and I wanted to set you up, is that like, you know, just take us through like, you know, when you started getting involved with Arsenal and becoming more and more prominent there and, and, and spending more time over there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and then just, you know, take us on a little Why bit of a journey. Why it led to Why what it, it yeah. led to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, my father first started buying shares um, in Arsenal. It's been 15 years probably, 14, 15 years. Um, Arsenal was is you know a, an institution um, in European football that is unlike unlike many others. Um, it's got an amazing history. Uh, it was publicly traded, um, kind of similar, I guess, to the Green Bay Packers or something you'd say over here. Uh, so we started buying shares, uh, and eventually that led to um, you know him requiring over 50% of the company. Uh, we got into the mid-60s at one point. There was another minority shareholder that, that had uh, most of the remaining shares uh, for a number of years, but then that was when I was put onto the board. This is probably 2013 or 14. Um, and so I was put onto the board, started getting more familiar with the club. I Obviously, I was actually, before I, I started playing basketball as a, as a youngster, soccer was my first love. I say soccer because that's what I had to call it over here. I don't use that term really anywhere else other than when I'm on, on American soil. It's actually become second nature to just say football uh, wow. at this point in time uh, with as much time as I've spent over there. And so, um, you know, Arsenal Football Club, I was very familiar with. Um, I knew some of the great teams. Arsenal, uh, we have uh, one of our most famous teams, if not our most famous team, was the Invincibles um, of 2003-2004. Of uh, they went the entire Premier League uh, un unbeaten. 
Um, and, you know, over there you can have draws as well as, you know, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw, and then zero points for, for a loss. Uh, they were able to go the entire season unbeaten. And so um, that's something that our football club has, has to, uh, that they're had to hang on just a little bit. Uh, and so we're trying to reach that level again. Um, will anyone ever go unbeaten in the Premier League? I, I doubt. So, I mean, Manchester City and Liverpool are as, as Liverpool impressive had a stretch. As, as, as clubs as you can A little nervous, lad. A little nervous like two years ago. Liverpool was – they were – They were on a roll. They were on a roll. roll. Yeah. They were on a roll. Um, but very difficult to do, obviously. But anyway, um, you know – uh, we eventually, in 2000, summer of 2018, we purchased the remaining shares, and we now own 100% of the club. Uh, before that, uh, I had started to get more involved behind the scenes. Um, we had had an absolutely legendary manager, Arsene Wenger, who is an even better person than he was a coach. And uh, he was with us for 22 seasons, and uh, we were nearing the end of, of, of his regime. And so turning that page was always going to be difficult. I mean, when you have someone that's tenured that long in any organization, even if it's not sports, it's always going to be a difficult transition period. Um, and so we, we transitioned out of that into another, into a different model, which, you know, if, if you're familiar with European sports at all, European football, it's very, the manager has kind of dual principle, du a dual role. He's, he's also, he's coaching, but he's also monitoring the incoming and outgoing players uh, on the transfer market. Um, similar to what a general manager would do over here with trades, draft, and that. But the manager was kind of an, an all-encompassing role. Um, we put in a slightly different structure involving a head coach. We have what's called a, um, a technical director now. And so it's more of a North American model to, to, what, to what we would have over here. Um, we've now, uh, since December of 2019, um, we have a man named Mikel Arteta um, in charge of our squad. Um, he's our manager. We have um, a man named Edu, who's our technical director. Um, he's a former Arsenal player from Brazil. Um, Mikel played for our squad for a number of years under our previous manager, Arsene Wenger. Um, so he knows the culture that, that we want to have. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, we have a wonderful board um, that includes my dad and myself, a gentleman named Tim Lewis, Phil Harris, and we have a great CEO in Vinay. And trying to, to get this right has been a challenge. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. Um, trying to get this right in the middle of a global pandemic has made it extra challenging. <laughs> um, Mikel, uh, he had, was a great player in his own right, but he had been um, an assistant manager up in Manchester City underneath a gentleman named Pep Guardiola uh, for a few years. And so Mikel has a, a very good idea of um, what elite uh, coaching and culture looks like. And so trying to implement on the fly um, and then getting the rug kind of pulled out from under you with COVID uh, has been challenging uh, because over there, uh, you know, over here, Rich, when, you know, something like COVID hits, you can roughly say when, you know, the, the BRI pie, if it shrinks, if it grows, you know, there's, there's mechanisms in place where you can try to, to, get each, to get both parties, whether it's the players or the league, through the, the, the challenges that we were all facing. Over there, there's, that system doesn't doesn't quite exist. Re really quick, so when he's talking about uh, BRI, he's talking about basketball-related income. So the way they have it in the NBA is basketball-related income is you take a little bit out for infrastructure, whether it's like you know employees at NBA, and then the rest of the pie 
like the CBA mm. is like this is what it is. Players get 51, owners get 49 percent, mm. and it's just whatever that number is. Yeah. It might be higher one year, it might be lower yeah. one year. Typically, there's a scale that trends mm. up because of just new revenue. Yeah. But that's what he's mean talking about when he's saying basketball-related yeah. income. So just to so get when people- yeah, and that I apologize. So so when. So when overnight the lights turned off I and mean, when we weren't allowed to have fans in our stadiums, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, your, your game day, your game day revenue got shut off. And so that piece of the pie got taken out and everything moved on over there. That piece of the pie gets taken out, but it, it's not really accounted for. You're still on the hook for what you've signed up for because there's no greater mechanism in place. So there was a lot of challenges. I mean, especially when you're hosting, you know, Arsenal Stadium, the Emirates seats 60,000 people. Um, and so there are some challenges. Yeah, there are some challenges going yeah. through all Let's that. Go Gunners. Um, and there was a lot of clubs, including Arsenal, um, that were feeling the pain of the pandemic probably more than any business on earth, uh, because you're still on the hook contractually, and you, you've had a huge source of your revenue evaporate instantly. Um, there were many challenges with that from you know a, a new manager perspective you know managing players understanding what we were dealing with um from a health standpoint uh i mean my, my funny story involving the start of covid uh i think richard's heard it probably but like i was actually over in london for the last week of february the first week of march 2020 and i was there on all arsenal business it was my first trip following up from a month previously when we'd hire mikel and got through a lot of a lot of stuff we were planning for the summer um had met with our chairman at the time of over a few things and by the time i landed in in the uk to when the time that i left italy was fine by the time i left italy was shut down and so when i got back i was kind of debriefing a few guys on our trip and i said i don't know what's going on but uh, something's really weird is, is, is happening over there. And I don't know how it's going to affect us yet, but we need to be prepared to possibly go behind closed doors for games. And I was getting kind of sideways look from our executives in Denver, like, really? And wow. a few days later, we had an NBA call where the league was talking about the, the different things and what was happening around the world. Obviously, Italy was on everybody's radar by that time. And that was on, that was on a Wednesday afternoon. I had, find, I had found out two days prior that I had shaken hands with the owner of um, a European, uh, a Greek club called Olympiakos, who he had tested positive. I had traveled back to the United States. I had hugged my mother, who, you know, she's in her early 70s. And I, it was very, it was hitting yeah. home very quickly mm-hmm. how, how this can get out of hand. And so I was explaining that to the NBA. Um, and we were talking about going behind closed doors. And we hung up that phone. And there was nothing that was decided or anything, but we were just, gradually starting to talk about behind closed doors. Four hours later, that was when the league suspended itself. Um, The following day, the rest of the North American leagues suspended themselves. By that evening, we had found out that our head coach at at Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, had tested positive. By the following morning, the Premier League had had, had postponed everything. And so I was sitting there in my house by myself having shaken hands with the guy from Olympiacos and waiting on my test results, I thought I had taken down the entire sports world <laughs> because I had seen all these people and I thought I was the one common thread. Yeah. And so I Wild. was about to go jump out the window <laughs> before, do before you realized at that point in time, it was everywhere. Yeah. And so it was, it was an eye opener to start COVID. Oh. 
um, for me personally because you know we were so involved across all of these different these different sports and so to fast forward to, to back wow. to your question um, you know the Super League um, that conversation came out of just a lot of people trying to figure out a way to stabilize things economically when you're really staring into um, an economic abyss um, and you know you're on the hook for for certain contractual obligations you're trying to figure out a way to honor those obligations but get through your short-term cash that you have to figure out a way to, to make payroll um, and you're missing a huge chunk of your revenue um, that cash has to come from somewhere and so you're thinking of very creative ideas to try to stabilize things in a meaningful way and we obviously, you know, as I've said to, to all of our, our supporters and our fans globally, if they've ever asked me about it, um, you know, did, did we, we get it wrong? We, we, we rushed it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. And we've, we've kind of said we've apologized. We've, we've made our peace with it. Um, but it was done with a, a good intention. Um, and that was to try to stabilize things in a way where, um, you know, clubs could, could really make sense of, of, of the future. Um, because there's a lot of a lot of clubs across Europe right now that are are really on, on uncertain footing, and to get things stabilized would be a benefit to everybody. What was that conversation like um, when you were you came across that one question when it came to having a Super League with or a Super League without Arsenal? Like, what was that? Uh, that was a question that we asked. That was the question that we asked ourselves uh, internally. Um, and when you have uh, people working together and, and moving things forward very quickly and you realize they're asking you to be a part of something that you know could be controversial but you think could benefit the sport long term you have to try to boil things down if, if you're thinking of things thinking of making major decisions in a short time frame how can we boil this down into the most simplest of, of questions to ask ourselves and that was the one that we asked ourselves um, and what is worse, a Super League or a Super League without Arsenal? And if the, the, the train was already leaving the station, then are we answered that question that um, a Super League without Arsenal would, would be the, the, the toughest one to explain to our, our supporters. And, um, you know, whether or not we got the, the, the question right or wrong, it doesn't matter because uh, we didn't move forward with the idea. And, and we're, we're excited and happy to be where we are as part of the Premier League. And, you know, we have a great young squad, great young manager, and we've got a bright future. And so now that we have 100% of the club, we've had it only since 2018, we're laying the foundations of a really bright future. I think if any of the Arsenal fan base wants to look at our teams here in North America, which surprisingly they don't do very often. <laughs> they don't um, care. No, and it's not, They're I, learning. They're learning. I, 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 don't, I don't think they don't care, but, you know, they, they're really curious as to how we do our operations. Like, mm -hmm. what do you... What do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you, how do you want to do this? And I'm just, I, I want to say to them, um, you know, and I, I sit down and I explain how we, how we look at things, whether it's, you know, a person in the media or the fan that happens to grab me at my hotel if I'm having to bump into somebody and they recognize me. I try to keep a very low profile, but some people every now and then will recognize me from, from, from Arsenal. And, um, you know, really what I just say is, you know, we, we're very proud of, you know, over here we draft and develop. Um, at Arsenal, we have an amazing academy where these kids come through. They, they work their way up. We have some outstanding academy products playing for us right now, starting to play really meaningful minutes and, and, and play well for us. Uh, we have several other young kids just starting to enter their, you know, late teens, early 20s that are starting to, to make some noise at the, at the first team level. 
And then we have, um, you know, a couple guys that are in their, in their mid-20s that, that we've recruited and they've, they've matured with us for the last few years that are really starting to lead the leadership charge behind the scenes. And so you see the foundation of the culture that I talked yeah. about earlier starting to take shape. And I think you see it starting to manifest itself on the pitch a little bit because uh, these kids are really starting to play and they're, you know, we're, I'm not sure where we are right now. I think we're, we're sitting in fifth or sixth in the league. Um, we need to be higher. The, our goals are to be higher, but uh, to be there with the youngest squad in the Premier League, I think, is is something that every Arsenal fan should get behind. So, like, when I look, first of all, like, if people don't follow, know, understand football over in Europe, is that you guys, ha like, your academies are like, I won't say like colleges, but it's mm -hmm. like you guys can bring kids in at 15, 16 years old, and just they're they're still like doing school and learning, but they're like training, like like football becomes like their job. Am mm -hmm. I correct? Kind of like the minor leagues, kind of like a minor league. Yeah, it's just a it's a it's a slightly different system. I mean, some some academies and do involve like schooling. Yeah, kids can go to school and then they train in the afternoons. Some academies, you know, are just training after the kids come from school. Yeah. Um. So it depends on on the club, but uh we've we have a strong history with our academy and and these kids can come even even younger than that if they're yeah. in a certain radius around uh you know where our um where our academy is so in london you know thank you for you know yeah. for you know for you know expressing that because i know you you don't talk like that was one thing that i know about you you don't talk very much you're like you're very reserved uh most of the time it's us annoying you to, to and asking you a ton of questions but you know on the text chain, you know, our fancy football You're league. You're never winner. annoying, Richard. Yeah, You're yeah, shut annoying. up, shut up. When, I, when all of this stuff was kind of going down and you guys made the decision like, okay, we see, you know, the, the FIBA impact because, you know, FIBA and then they were like, you know, these players won't be able to play for their respective countries and 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 – you know, and you guys, you, when, when I say gracefully bowed out, you're like, hey, look, like this is, we were facing an, uh, an economic struggle and we made a decision. And okay, we understand that. Like when you guys decided to, you know, back out, you yeah. know, and just say like, hey, look, we want to, you know, we're, we want to just stay in the, the normal tradition stuff. Like did, were you, I don't want to say surprise is not the right, right word. Were you like, where I guess surprise is the right word a little bit about how intense it got very quick because it was like it went from announcement which I have to say is very impressive that the biggest leagues and are the biggest teams in the world um, you know kept this you know you know quietly wraps and then they did an announcement and then like a week you know maybe it was a week 10 days later it, it kind of you know it, it, it disappeared so like well, Richard, you're wrong on your time frame because it was 48 hours. 48 hours. <laughs> and that 48 um, hours does not define who you guys are. Yeah, yeah. I've read so that. 48 oh, hours. Yeah. Yeah. 48 hours. Listen to that. I thought it was a week. Absolutely. And, but I think that, you know, one of the messages that I, I said to our supporters, and, and I, I do listen to our supporters over there. I mean, I, I listen to our, our fans here with our teams, but um, the level of passion that is involved in European football and the support that goes into these clubs is – uh, I, I don't want to say it's 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 deeper than any, anything we have over here, but it's it's way deeper than anything we have over here, and it's it's hard to truly relate as a as an American or as a foreigner heading into the UK the passion that really goes on when people support these clubs, and I think that you know whether or not they they fully understood the concept of what we were trying to do, it didn't matter because they didn't want the change. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing that mattered was that we were gonna make changes to the system that they love. Mm -hmm. And I understood that. And I think part of being a good leader is making unpopular decisions at times for on behalf of the group, 
And then part of being a good leader as well is listening to the group and understanding when to, to back off. And I think that that was what we did is that, you know, once we under full understanding of what was going on very quickly, you knew the right thing to do as, as a leader was to, to, to get out of the process, however that, that was. Um, and it's, there's, a, there's a lot of legal things that are going on behind the scenes, and so I don't want to, yeah. I'm still not going to go into much detail, but, um, you know, I think that, as, as I said, you know, part of the leadership was making unpopular decisions and, and understanding when you're wrong. And we, we, we understood that we were wrong, we got out of it, and to be frank, it's, I'm encouraged by the whole process because it's brought me and uh, our staff closer to our supporters than ever before. Um, we have an advisory board now that I meet with that involves several of our big supporter groups and elective representatives from there. I'm going to interact with them again this week. Um, so you're sharing and exchanging ideas about how you can interact better with them and their respective groups um, from ideas around the stadium, the match day experience to their ideas of how we can evolve our squad. Um, I trust all of our ideas how to evolve the squad more to uh, Mikel Arteta and Edu. Um, those two guys, I think, are going to lead the charge along with this guy named Richard Garlick um, behind the scenes dealing all of our player contracts. Uh, but those fans also provide an incredibly valuable, you know, perspective on community engagement. Where, where else could, where, where could I personally get more involved in the club so you know who I am and I'm not just some name on a sheet? Because I think part of my... I guess interaction with them is I want to understand them and I want them to understand me. I don't think Richard will tell you I, I don't have a lot to hide. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty open book if you want to sit down and talk to me. My time gets pulled a lot of different directions because of the businesses that we're in and I still want to have a little bit of personal time on, on the other side of it for myself. Um, but I really enjoy sitting down with our fans, talking sports and understand what they're thinking because whether or not we see it through the same lens, we all want the same thing and that's to win. But I think it's also the common denominator, because when you think of this episode that we have just completed, you started off when it came to the sports talk about the Rams fan that has stood out to you. You know, then you bring it full yeah. circle in terms of and we've all experienced it with especially the pandemic and COVID. The one thing so many people said from players to the fans themselves is how much sport is different without the fans. Mm -hmm. Right. To now the importance of the fan voice for Arsenal. And obviously yeah. that's the one thing that stood out to me about the purity for the position that you are in, Josh. Um, was that you listened to your fans yeah. when it came to a decision like yeah, that. Yeah, and their, their response to that was, you should have listened to us ahead of the time. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I can't change that now. I can yep. only adjust myself going forward, and I, I try not to make the same mistake twice. And so I'm really encouraged by the dialogue that I've been having with, um, with some of the fan groups because really, you know, when we boil down through the different things of what we're saying, like I said, we all want to win. We all want to win, which is the same thing across all of our teams. But they've had some amazing suggestions of how I can better interact with them off the pitch. Yeah. Whether that's coming to a pub to grab a, grab a pint or, you know, just doing anything of that nature. Oh, so they understand. There's chance. You start talking about drinking you know, I mean, beer. We, we, we want to win. We're in this business to win. Yeah. So. One of my favorite quotes ever in life is the greatest leaders are the ones who are not willing to, to lead and be able to lead, but also the ones that are willing to be led. And you, my friend, that's, that's what you got. So cheers to that. Um, Write that down, Channing. By the way, what is the sport called? Is I'm it football or is Channing, it soccer? No, what did no, you no, do no, not I'm follow Channing, follow Channing it's anywhere? Some, <laughs> in some degree, Channing, I'll give you credit. I called you today for the wine suggestions. So uh, Okay, listen. I'll follow your lead there. So um, my Rams are going to win a Super Bowl. Like, this is the thing. Me and Allie have the same starter jacket. No, no, no. First of all, I, I had no, no, this me, jacket. Me and, and Allie have the same starter. 
Hold on. Ellie's I, not even a Rams fan. But, okay, thank you. I am in LA. I will support the Where's team. The However, I'm from Ohio. I am a Browns fan. Let's. Where's make the helmet you had on? on? My helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to rock the helmet, you know, today. But I got my jacket. I'm ready. This is what I will be wearing to the Super Bowl. I don't need tickets from you. I'm fine. Does that fit you? Does it fit me? It fits me well enough. Probably not it's, over a hooded sweatshirt and whatever else you got under there. It's, it's, it's extra medium, Channing. It's extra medium. I'm gonna lose a couple. I'm gonna lose a couple before the game. Shout out to my my girl Sarah for yeah. Sure. What's her name? Sarah. Sarah. Borges. Thank you, Sarah. You're awesome. The check is in the mail. This is dope. For like what? Those what? are great looking jackets. These are they're vintage. That is a 1984 are... vintage Rams jacket. See, look, would you I mean, like I'm one? I jealous. can get you one. I mean, we'll get you one. We'll get you one. We'll get you one. This is the you know. Look at Channing. Channing just wants the free stuff. You're a Cardinals fan, you clown. Shut up. Josh, is there anything that we did not touch on from our research and everything that we've wanted to sit here? Is there anything left? Anything that you're working on outside of all of your... I do have a question. I feel like all of your teams and everything that you're a part of are, like, having kids. Do you have a favorite? I don't. You can't answer that question. <laughs> I know. I know I was night, kidding. playing that night is his favorite. You no, know, no, no. I mean... Like it's it's funny. It's funny you ask that because everyone's always like, oh, it's basketball has to be. And they all assume. I mean, there, was a, there was a whole period in Denver, and I still get people that come up to me in Denver here and there. They do not do it anymore. Um, but they just assume that basketball is like my baby because that was the sport that I played. played yeah. Well, that was where I cut my teeth kind of learning the business. Um, and so, you know, I guess that's where like my initial experience was. But really the sports that I'd I guess that I never played are the ones that I, f I find the most rewarding because I, I get to I get to meet people that I've never been around. I learn a lot because I don't know the game the way that I, I do basketball from from playing it. I mean, to Richard's point, my college coach is now the coach of the Utah Jazz. And so we ran a lot of pro sets in college, which is probably why I didn't have much success in college. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I need, I need a lot of screens, Channing. I gotta, I gotta, if, gonna, if I'm going to get open, I need I a lot of screens. The game is different now, Josh. <laughs> the game is different now. Like, your, your shooting stroke and athleticism, I think, would have played really well right now. I'm just... Josh okay. loves Overwatch League. Oh, okay. Yeah, Channing's a big Overwatch guy. Okay, so my last question to you, um, if I can remember it, um, damn it, I completely... I hate when you that You drank too much wine, Richard. N not yet. Uh, we'll get there. What was my last question to you? But the good thing is that they're going to edit all this out. Probably not the because golf, I'm saying. I got no. a funny. I mean, the golf one is. A, I have a funny golf story. No, I don't care about. I was going to say we're going to end on a funny okay. story. So. No, I don't know. What was the? Oh, this was a question I had. Okay, this would. It's, 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 it's not. It's How old are you? I, I'm. I'm terrible. So my question well, is this: too. because <laughs> no, 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 because you are people don't like it. It's weird. Like you are like like a known person, but you like you know. Still, I'm an, hang on. I'm a known name. A known in name. In certain people, but to certain people, but I'm not I'm not a face that people recognize. Yeah, I'd, I'd like, love to try to By the way, are you Ron Ghoul from Batman? Oh, okay. He At my last Arsenal match, I heard that was called Doctor Strange by a big portion oh, of the fans. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that, so, that beard that beard will do really that. Want, really want to get into the Marvel Universe on but, me. But how, do you balance, but how do you balance that? That's the one that's question I think people, reference. because you do have relationships because, like, I, what? what do to you your mean? point, I was going to say, wait. You you started talking about LeBron, but you called him Bron. So I was like, wait, are you friends with Bron? Yeah, friends so with LeBron? Friend, like, like you, you just yeah. know guys. And it, again, we all because people aren't saying like we all came up together. So it was Luke, it was me, JB Bickerstaff, mm -hmm. right? Like there's like a bunch of guys that like we would sit Jamal. And Jamal Mo we would sit and have beers when we were 20, and and you know like we would go on vacations, like we would 24. all hang out. 
Yeah, and so then next thing you know is like you're now in this position where we're kind of like laughing and joking, like you want Channing to go away, don't you? No, 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 no. I love Channing. I love Channing. But it was, but it was more of like, how do you balance that? Because I know that that because of your position, you have to like not not be careful of your friendships, but you have to like be careful what you say and you have to do that, which is. I don't know how you do it with all the names that you just listed. I have no idea. Yeah, Um, I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Uh, there have been times where I'm not good at managing. The, the bear has managed me. The bear has almost eaten me as opposed yeah. to me managing the bear. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I've met. I mean, that's why I think the coolest part about being in sports, I mean, I guess I won't answer. To answer your question, I don't have a favorite team or favorite organization that I deal with on a daily basis. My dad, and he's the same way, I just, if, if our teams are doing well, it relaxes me, obviously. If my t- if our teams are doing poorly, you you got to you got to run right into the fire. And so, like, if the teams are doing well, that means I just have I don't have to focus on it nearly as much because the culture is solid from our GM to our coach to our players patrolling it on a daily basis. Um, then I'm probably focused more on the business side, the revenue side. And so, like, there's there's it's a it's a one side of the business can't exist without the other. The, the, the marketing and sales department doesn't exist without the team, the team, and the team can't exist without those guys generating, generating the revenue to pay the players. And so it's like that across all of our organizations. And so I'll, I'll run to where they, they need me the most, and usually that's one of our teams is in transition. But fortunately right now we have amazing head coaches um, that are in place to help things on a daily basis. We have great players uh, laying the foundation of, of competitiveness, and then um, you know, we have great commissioners at all the leagues right now helping things, you know, try to run as smoothly as possible. Uh, and so uh, for me, you know, if, if one of our teams is doing poorly, that's that's where I'll be. Um, you can find me there. But right now, things are really starting to slow. Got a little bit of free time right now. It's why he's on the Road Trip Podcast. He's at Pebble Beach. With that yeah. said, let's end on your golf story. Uh, well, it's Pebble Beach. Okay, so Pebble Beach. So this is my actually my second year going. Um, but it's the first time they've had the real tournament. Um, la- I, was in- I was fortunate enough to get invited last year, but they had to cancel the event because of, of COVID. Yeah. Uh, but they, they had a one-day tournament. Um, it wasn't even a tournament. It was just basically people that they had extended invitations to could come play Pebble Beach for one day, and you got to play nine holes with one pro. And, and then, then, but you weren't allowed to be- You had to carry your own bag. There was you know, no, no spectators, no nothing. You just... Go there, play golf, and and you and then you're out that afternoon. And um, I said, sure, you know, I've I've only played Pebble Beach once before, and that was basically a dark. And so I was like, I'll just would love to go play this amazing golf course. So obviously, me being me, <laughs> definitely didn't practice beforehand. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just show up. That's an athlete, always. Yeah, athlete. I'll just show like, up. We'll be, be fine. We'll be fine. fine. It's not an event, but like you know, there's no fans. Doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, they're not keeping score like they do in usual years. But I was still like, you know, obviously I need to hit some golf balls. And so this is I last had last played in early December. And so I go up there, and I have dinner. Or excuse me, I, I go up there, um, and there's you know COVID protocols in place. I had to go take the test. I go to my room wait for two hours to get my results. They finally call me, I'm clear, go get this badge, get this sticker to make sure they know you're COVID negative. Here's where your tea time is tomorrow. And so I asked this guy and I was like, hey man, I haven't hit any golf balls in like two months. I was like, I gotta get to the driving range today. I was like, where, where do I head? And he's like, well, if you go up there, he goes, 
did they give you any directions? And, I, and no one really knew where to tell me to go. So it's like, just go hop on those that line for the shuttles and they'll, they'll take you up to the driving range. And I'm like, all right, cool, cool. So I go up, shuttle's like, you're, you're carrying your bag, but you're going to the driving range? And everyone was kind of second guessing me as I wanted to get to the driving <laughs> range, but they just kept, kept shooing me along. So I finally get up there and I, I walk around the, the, the driving range at, at Pebble Beach and it's this beautiful practice facility and you come around the back of this building and the range is all lined up there and I come around the side and I, I get there and all pros, all pros, not you, one amateur. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking 30, 40 guys out there. The only slot that's open is in the very middle of the drive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so I'm like kind of scratching my head and I'm like, Okay. Full know. send. So I go up there and I set my bag down and it's like Bill Haas behind me and you know this other guy I recognize from TV in front of me and the sounds these guys' clubs are making when they hit the ball is and the ball is just flying. I mean just and so I go over and I grab a bucket and even the guys at the the handing out balls, the range balls were kind well, of looking you're at not me supposed sideways. to be here, bro. And so I set I, I set those down and I start I grab my wedge and I start kind of warm loosening up and you know and these guys all have like their like iPads, like videoing their swings, Angles. their swing coaches behind them, <laughs> like their fitness coaches. And I'm by myself carrying my bag. And so I, I take my practice swings, take my first swing, and I might as well cut the ball in half. I mean, it gets like a foot off the ground and then straight down the range. That's the 40 pros oh, man. in the middle. And I mean, like, and I hit like five of these. And by the fifth one, I'm like, I'm just laughing to myself. I'm like, oh man, I can't believe you did this to yourself. Can't believe you did this to yourself. So I grab one of them, I grab my seven iron and like, just swing as hard as you can. <laughs> and so I went back up there and I, I started, I started swinging that seven iron and I eventually worked through it and got, got myself straightened out of the it. Hips? I was up there for like an hour and like, and, and I, after my fifth, you know, time I'd cut the ball in half. I mean, like you could see like fitness coaches, like <laughs> <laughs> kind of elbowing each other. So anyway, Fast forward to the end of the round the following day, and I'm thanking everyone, the tournament host, and uh, you know we all have. It's still in the middle of COVID, so everybody's you know respecting the COVID guidelines and everything. And thank you very much. I got to head out. I appreciate everything. Hope to you know see you guys again soon. And I asked the tournament director. I was like, hey, I was like, <laughs> you know, yesterday when I went out there to that to the driving range, um, you know, I, I noticed that you know there really wasn't an area designated for amateurs like there was this morning, like this couple three areas. And I was like, was uh, was was that was that same setup on the driving range yesterday? Because I didn't see the amateur area. And he's like, yeah, you know, we didn't want to say anything to you, but amateurs weren't allowed on the driving range yesterday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So like every time you so, walked up, you're like, who's this guy pro carrying out there his bag? was already like, who is this person randomly in the middle of us hitting balls and, and embarrassing himself? But not only that, but I, they knew that I wasn't supposed to be there as well. So, so I, just, was, I was the clown show in the middle of the driving range while they were probably all just sitting there just laughing. No, no not laughing. probably. They all were. Yeah, so yeah, were yeah. you more nervous for that moment or going into last weekend's NFC Championship game? That moment. Uh, that moment. That, that <laughs> moment. <laughs> Without a doubt. When you're out of your element and there's people that, like, do this for so a living. So uncomfortable. Yeah. And, I mean, I was I, – I haven't been that embarrassed in a while. Yeah. You know what yeah. happened? They were like, hey, they probably wanted to kick you off, and then they looked up your shit online. They just <laughs> a of Pebble Beach. Let that man hit whatever he wanted to hit. Knock yourself out. Like, don't say yeah. But it's, honestly, I mean, if anybody is listening to this in the, in the Bay Area or in Monterey next year and you haven't been, it's a great event. It's yeah, cool. It's awesome. Really yeah. cool. Really That's cool. so awesome.
You are awesome, Josh. This Thank was you, so Josh. much fun. Obviously, you have so much Thank exciting things going on. Um, good luck, obviously, this week. School rooms. Knock on wood. We'll Let's go. Happens. Richard is from Phoenix. Just to let everyone know. I was born in Richard Los Angeles. Richard grew up I'm in Phoenix. Phoenix. That is another up. edition with I Josh Brown. I was born in New York. I don't like the Rams. Well, you're an idiot. Let's go Rams. <laughs> Ended on that. <laughs>